Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You are now listening to the War Report Podcast Network. What's up, buddy? Welcome back to the Cosloop Podcast, episode 169 of the Cosloop Podcast. I am Dylan Lark, a bullet tank on Twitter. Uh, I am here just by myself today, and I am ready to just get right into Auburn football. And we are getting so very close to Auburn spring practice starting up. Uh, I mean, by that, I mean, we are four, five, five days away from spring practice starting up. It starts up on the 27th of February and it will go all the way through until April 6th, which is going to be a day, which if you don't know, I'll be in attendance for a day. I have not missed a day in quite some time now uh, because I love a day because I'm a sicko psychopath when it comes to college football. Uh, I just let everybody know that. So just to get right into that, uh, I am today. Today, I am going to be predicting the Auburn starting lineup for spring. Uh, just kind of going into who's going to be running with the ones right away. Uh, I did some parts of it, and by uh, where I kind of went into who's going to be the backup for each of those. And by that, I mean I literally went through and I did a, a starter and a second stringer list uh, for all these. I, and I think the best way to start this off would be at the quarterback position, which, if you're unaware, uh, Peyton Thorne has returned for another year on the Plains, his final year in college football. Uh, and I do believe he is going to be the starting quarterback for the Auburn Tigers. Uh, right behind him is going to be Holden Garner and then Hank Brown and Walker White, so on and so forth. Uh, but yeah, Peyton Thorne is going to be the guy for the for Auburn football in 2024. Uh, unless, barring anything else happening, uh, you know, Holden Garner absolutely balling out in the spring and whatnot. 
I, I think it's uh, I think it's pretty set in stone that Peyton Thorne is going to be the starting quarterback. So no no shockers there. And also go with the no shockers at the running back position. I'm just going to go ahead and list out how I have these guys like listed in order. Uh, Jarquez Hunter is going to be the starting running back for the Auburn Tigers. That's just uh, you know just cut and dry, sealed sealed and delivered. Uh, running back two, Damari Austin. No shocker there at all. Running back three, I have Jeremiah Cobb as the running back three. And then right after him is, of course, Brian Batie and Sean Jackson. Uh, I think Jeremiah Cobb is a guy you just cannot hold carries from in, in this season, especially with you have one more year of Jarquez Hunter, who's going to be itching to get that 1,000-yard season that he's been so very close to a couple of times now. And then now you have Damari Austin, who – I, I I fully believe that Demari Austin would start on a lot of SEC teams, and you have a guy, you have two guys right there, a double double edged sword for any team that wants to try to stop the run. And then of course here comes Jeremiah Cobb, uh, now a true sophomore who is just a absolute athletic freak. Uh, and just he can do it. And I'm going to get into later positions of where he could fit into, and that being the kick returner position. But I think what he serves in as a running back. And as a as a receiving back, it's just too dangerous for him not to be the running back three. And I, I feel like the it might be a like a 50, 25, I would say 25 uh carry distribution between those three guys. And that's me being very polite about it. I definitely think this could be like a, a 33, 33, 33 kind of thing. It won't be, but these three guys are that talented where it could be, and Auburn could still rack up some rushing yards, but I definitely think Jarquez Hunter is going to get the bulk of those. And I, I said 50, 25, 25, it'd probably be along the lines of maybe 40. I'm trying to get it to where it would be more Damari. I think it's going to be Jarquez going to get about 35, 40% of the carries. And then, then you have Damari who's probably going to get about 25 and then it's just trickle on from there. I, I'm just rambling at this point, but yeah, those are how I have those guys ranked out. And the tight end position, Rivaldo Fairweather, no shocker there. One of the best tight ends Auburn has seen in a hot minute. Uh, behind him, I have Luke Deal or uh, Rico Walker, the transfer in uh, from Maryland. I think he's a guy who could also step in. He kind of has the same build as Valdo and kind of this is the same qualities. And then also have Michael Riley, who also could fit in that role, a guy who's been sitting uh, sitting in the shadows, really, of, of, of the depth chart. Uh, I think he has a talent to really – uh, emerge as a guy who could be a reliable, uh, a reliable tight end and a reliable target whenever he gets in the gets on the field. And of course, you have guys like Brandon Frazier who are also going to be returning as well. And the tight end room is just absolutely. Auburn only lost one tight end and gained one right back uh, with with uh, Tyler Fromm going to Georgia Southern. But those are the three positions where I don't think there's going to be any shocker on the offensive side of the of the ball. Wide receiver, on the other hand, I think I could. Surprise some folks because right off the bat, I have Auburn starting wide receiver being Cam Coleman. Uh, you bring in a guy who's number three overall wide receiver in his class, and in some aspects, some people rank him number one wide receiver in that class. And this is the best wide receiver class that Auburn has had ever, and it's the second best that anyone has seen ever. So the guy who's leading that charge is, of course, Cam Coleman. I think he possesses so much uh, talent, uh, speed, uh, route running ability. There's not a flaw that I can see in Cam Coleman that tells me he would not be a starter, at, at least in the in the top three. I don't know if he'd be the X receiver, or if he'd be the Y or Z. He's gonna be starting for Auburn in 2024, and I, I don't want to vouch anything on that. I'm just very confident that he will be up there. And right behind him, I have Jay Fair, uh, Auburn's best wide receiver 
from the previous season has after some people try to speculate he's going to transfer, which was completely false. Uh, Jay Fair is back, and I think he's going to be another reliable target. He's probably going to play the slot role or uh, alongside Cam Coleman. And another guy I have up there is Camden Brown. And you can call me stupid, call me what you want. I am fully believing in Camden Brown yet again. I have I have drank the Kool Aid. I am fully on the Camden Brown bandwagon. Uh, I, he possesses all of the uh, uh, everything you want in a receiver. We just weren't able to see it last year, and it, of course, some of it was his fault. Some of it was the wider uh, the quarterback's uh, position's fault, and the offensive line never really gave people time to you know pass the ball. But I, I think Camden Brown has all the uh, ha- has every single bit of talent that you want to see from a starting wide receiver, and I think he he can get that if he just has a good spring and if he can stay consistent and all that. And then behind all them, I have, there's six guys who are all interchangeable uh, that I, and I, this is, this is not final. I don't work on the coaching staff. This is all me just speculating. Uh, but of course you have Perry Thompson, you have Robert Lewis, you have Caleb Burton, you have Bryce Kane, you have Malcolm Simmons, you have Sam Jackson, the fifth. And of course you have Coy Moore and Dylan Gentry all competing for spots in this wide receiver room. This is going to be a, those starting three aren't going to get the bulk or aren't going to be on the field the entire game. It's going to be a lot of moving parts, a lot of interchanging in, in, in those positions. So I have all of them all of them listed out. Those are just the three I'm the most confident in. I think Perry Thompson definitely could fit into that role, but with him not early enrolling, it's going to be kind of hard for him to make up the ground that Cam Coleman uh, got a head start in. And now move on to the offensive line position. This is going to be a position group that has a giant question mark on it because you just have no idea what to expect from any of these guys. The only You have the center. And that's about it. Uh, Connor Liu is back uh, for true sophomore after playing like uh, like a veteran and like a guy who probably is ready for the NFL right away. Kind of Connor Liu. That's, not, that's how, how good he was. Uh, just already looking like a. I'm trying to think of the last good Auburn center, and I, the first one that came to my mind was Reese Dismukes. Uh, I, I think that Connor Liu could uh, exceed what we saw from Reese Dismukes whenever he was at Auburn. Uh, so at st- center, it's, of course, it's Connor Liu. And behind him, I think Tate Johnson kind of could fit back into that center role because uh, I don't know if Auburn has a true backup center uh, to put in for that. Uh, looking at the tackle position, going to be a name. Uh, I just want to bring in another transfer. Uh, and Percy Lewis, Mississippi State transfer tackle, who I think is going to be a start. Is going to be a starter right away. He got all SEC honors uh, last season and I think a year prior to that as well. So I definitely a guy who's going to be starting right away because right when you look at Auburn's offensive line from last year, uh, it can't get much worse the tackle position because it just so much stuff went wrong. There was the penalties, there was uh, just constant holding, uh, missed missed assignments, just all that stuff kind of vouched in into a, just a mess. Uh, and then right next to him, I think it's going to be Dylan Wade, uh, the guy, guy who was a part of that offensive line last year, but wasn't really comfortable at the tackle position in the SEC. So uh, with Percy Lewis coming in, uh, that's going to give Dylan Wade room to move to guard, which I think he's going to be a lot better at, at that guard position. And on the other side of the offensive line, I think Xavion Miller is going to be a key role into this offense again, offensive line again. I, I think that last year we didn't see the best of Xavion Miller. He was definitely a raw talent that uh, that you're going to have, that Jake Thornton's going to have to really work with. And if you can get him rolling, he is going to be a dog. Uh, he is he is tall. He is big. He is strong. He is what you want out of an offensive lineman. 
and I might have gotten these already backwards. I think it's Ava Miller play the right tackle and Percy Lewis to the left tackle. So I've already gotten that mixed up. Uh, and then on the, at the guard position next to Xavion Miller, next to Rick Percy Lewis, I have Jeremiah Wright, a guy who, another leader on this team, been around for a while, uh, dealt, dealt with some injury problems over the past couple of years. I think if he stays healthy, he's definitely going to be a starting contributor on this offensive line. And looking at the guys behind the behind that five, of course, I already brought up Tate Johnson. Uh, I'm looking at I have a I have a freshman, a true freshman on this list, DeAndre Carter. He's the guy, the guy from modern day, uh, who is an absolute behemoth at 340 pounds. Uh, I think he can find a way to start. Uh, I don't know if right away, but definitely get into this rotation very early. Uh, that's just because how good I he looks and has seemed on seemed on film. And of course, only time will tell how good. Uh, he transfers in from the high school level to the college level, and that's kind of the whole thing for the for all the other freshmen coming in. So a guy I'm very excited to watch play. Also, Jaden Muskrat, also have him listed as a backup, a guy who transferred in a little late from Tulsa, uh, stuck with the team. Uh, I think he's going to be a contributor in the rotation as well. I also have Brayden Joyner, the, I believe, redshirt freshman from Auburn High School. Uh, he's a very talented, talented player who I think is going to be in the rotation in just year two. And then, of course, another uh, recruit coming in from the JUCO level from Snow College is Seth Wilfred, uh, a guy who won, got a lot of honors from the JUCO ranks as one of the top offensive linemen in JUCO. So I think if not a starter, Seth Wilfred could work into the rotation. And uh, those are the 10 guys I think could very much fill in those roles. There's a lot of other guys around the Auburn offense. This is one of the most talented offensive line groups Auburn has had in quite some time. Uh, and this kind of goes to talk about how great of a recruiter at the O-line position that we've seen Hugh Freeze be so far. And, I mean, looking at 2025, I hope all, all of them stay with Auburn. But uh, really recruiting the trenches right away, and that's what you'd love to see because games or championships are won in the trenches. Now to move on to the defensive side of the ball, starting with the defensive line. And this one, after the starting, starting four, it kind of got a little difficult to talk about. Uh, but starting at the defensive end position, I have Keldrick Falk, the true sophomore who blew everyone away with how talented he was in the spring and just how good he looked. Uh, definitely a guy who's going to be starting right away. He got the starting uh, uh, the starting uh, words. Oh, my Lord, stuttering all over the place. He got the starting minutes very early on. It was due to an injury, which sucks, but he was able to get in and he was able to take over. He looked very good, very poised, and I think he's going to be the starting defensive end for Auburn in 2024. Behind him, I have Darren Reed, another sophomore, I believe redshirt freshman slash sophomore player, uh, a guy who flipped from LSU from his uh, during the 2023 cycle. I think he's going to work his way in as well. I also have Zacchaeus Walker mixed in on that, but also I have him for the defensive tackle position of the backup as well. So uh, he he definitely can play both both roles as well. At the defensive tackle position, I have Shrill Carter, the transfer out of Texas. I think getting a veteran defensive lineman was a huge move in, in the right direction. Uh, you're losing Justin Rogers uh, and, the, and, of course, Marcus Harris. So you've got to find guys who can replace that level of play that you just aren't going to have uh, with some of the younger guys coming in. So getting a guy from Texas is really good. And behind him, I have Gage Keys, a guy from Kansas who was very, very good as well. At Kansas, so those two are probably going to be intermingling as well. Uh, nose tackle, he's back. Is Jason Jones? Yeah, he played nose tackle very, very well. I know I got a lot of hate for uh, for my opinions on how he was able to uh, get pressure on the quarterback, but as a run stuffer, 
it's no it's no question that he is one of the best uh, from the last season and stuffing gaps and getting uh, filling up holes and and stopping the run. So Jason Jones back starting at nose tackle. And again, behind him, I have Zacchaeus Walker who could fill in that role as well. And Quiet Trail, Jamison Travis, who is back for another year as well. And then at the Jack Edge position, I have Jalen McLeod. That's no question there. He's one of Auburn's best players later on in the season. Uh, he got five sacks. He was just a monster. Uh, whenever he got, as soon as he got healthy, you saw right away the difference that this Auburn defensive line had whenever McLeod was on the was on the field. And behind him, I think there might be two freshmen who, uh, true freshmen, may be battling out for that backup Jack position in Jamonta Waller and Amaris Williams. Uh, those two guys. I mean, there's a reason why every one of the that why Florida wanted them so bad, and Auburn was able to flip them from Florida. Those those two are just ridiculous. Uh, definitely guys who I think could fit in very early, uh, and could definitely fi- find a nice place right behind Jalen McLeod. Moving to the linebacker position, this is a position where uh, Auburn struggled with depth last year. Uh, it was something that we noticed very on uh, whenever Eugene Asante and Austin Keys weren't on the field. There was a severe severe decline in production from the defense. So Auburn went out and got uh, Dorian Mousy out of Duke, who I think is going to fill in very nicely into that Austin Keys role, probably play middle linebacker. Uh, definitely is a great open field tackler. Uh, and, of course, another guy I'm looking at as well, starting uh, being a backup linebacker, uh, Demarcus Riddick. Uh, if, you, if you've heard me talk about Demarcus Riddick before, you know I am very high on the Chilton County prospect. He is athletic. He is just a freak of nature, uh, and I think it's going to be very hard to keep him out of the rotation right away because we've heard during the Maryland practices how just shocked everyone was and just how good he was. But you know what? Your boy, not 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 very much shocking going on over here because I, I knew this right away that DeMarcus Strick was going to be a guy that probably could play from day one. And if Eugene Asante had left for the draft, I would not have been shocked if Demarcus Riddick walks out as a starting linebacker in 2024. So yeah, those are my two backup guys, and of course Eugene Asante and Austin Keys are those starting linebacker positions. Uh, defensive back room, starting at cornerback one, of course I have Keontae Scott. He is back after dipping his toe in the transfer portal for a little bit, came back, and of course now switched positions from that star nickel position to the starting defensive back position, starting cornerback position. So he's going to be the outside corner for Auburn. This year, and then on the other side of the field with him is going to be Kyan Lee, the true sophomore, who was very impressive. Definitely had some plays where he looked like a freshman, but with Wesley McGriff and and of course uh, Charles Kelly, you're not going to see that anymore. It's, this is going to be a Kyan Lee season to remember. Uh, so there's a reason Tar is just so in love with what Kyan Lee is able to do on the field. He's going to be that starting. He's going to be that another outside corner. Uh, moving in to the slot, nickel, star, whatever position it's going to be uh, named in this, I have J.D. Rim uh, filled in that gap very, very nicely whenever uh, Donovan Kaufman and Keontae Scott both dealing, were both dealing with injuries last year. I think J.D. Rim can fill in very, 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 very well into that role. Uh, and then behind him, of course, I, I think Caleb Wooden, another guy who could be – those two are very close. And, and how I think they could battle out for that. I know Caleb Wood more of kind of a safety, but I think he plays into that star position very, very well. Uh, and I know I say very, very well a lot. It's just the best I have uh, in my brain. Uh, Keontae Scott behind him, I have Antonio Kite, the Alabama transfer. Didn't really see a lot of playing time 
uh, at Alabama outside the special teams, uh, outside special teams. But his his film is just off the charts. There's a he was a highly touted recruit. Bama really wanted him. And, you know, whenever you go to Alabama's defensive back, you're not going to play right away. And in this new era of college football, you kind of want to play uh, ASAP. So he's going to come in. He's probably going to be a guy right behind Keontae Scott or Kyan Lee uh, getting in, getting those minutes and uh, getting those plays as well. Behind Kyan Lee, I have Champ Anthony, uh, another Juco guy from last year. Very impressive film. Uh, came in. He made a couple of plays. Uh, and I'd love to see how he develops from then. Uh, I would also love to see uh, a lot of these other guys that we saw from the last recruiting cycle, like J.C. Hart and Colton Hood getting in. And, of course, the guys from this one and in, in, uh, in Jalen Crawford and Amon Lane, uh, those, those two I'm just very excited to watch play as well. And th- this entire defensive back room is just absolutely loaded. And to go to that move to the back of the defensive back core, the safeties, I have, of course, I have two newcomers starting at the safety positions. Of course, you know, Auburn is losing Jalen Simpson and, of course, Zion Puckett, as well as, like, you know, Nehemiah Pritchett and DJ James as well cannot, like, discredit what they were able to do at Auburn. Uh, but I have Laquan Robinson starting at safety, probably at the strong safety position where we saw Zion Puckett thrive. Uh, I And I say thrive very, very loosely. Uh Laquan Robinson can do what Zion Puckett could do, can do, but better. Uh, Laquan Robinson, in his film study that I've done, he is a good coverage safety, which you want in your strong safety because you don't want a guy who's going to be a liability in coverage. And I don't think Laquan Robinson can do that. He's a ball hawk, and he can just absolutely hit stick the crap out of you. So I am very excited to watch Laquan, Ro- Laquan Robinson play in 2024. Next to him, I have Jaron Thompson, uh, another guy from Texas. Uh, starting the free safety role, probably. I saw some people kind of mentioned he might play the nickel position, but I think he fits more at the safety. Uh, you have veteran leadership at that free safety position with him. Uh, playmaker. I didn't get a lot of interceptions, but definitely was uh, noticeable whenever he was on the field. So I cannot wait to watch how uh, they play as well. And behind those two guys, of course, we have two guys going in, I believe they're uh, true sophomore year, and Sylvester Smith and Terrence Love. Uh, guys who got in on limited playing time, uh, but got in because of injuries and just to give people some breaks. They were very, very good. And Sylvester Smith, I believe, if anybody could start, uh, if another player could start as a true sophomore, it would be Sylvester Smith. Uh, I would not be shocked if he actually got in at the starting safety position. Uh, but I think when you're getting in transfers like Jaron Thompson, it's going to be kind of hard to to beat them out. And then, of course, the special teams. Uh, this is going to be no shocker here. Uh, kicker, I have Alex McPherson. At punter, I have Oscar Chapman. Kick returner, Brian Batie. Could not be would not be shocked if Jeremiah Cobb also mixes into that role. Punt returner, Keontae Scott is the first guy in a hot minute to get a special teams touchdown for Auburn. So they're not gonna get kick him out of that role. And now, finally, the most important position on the field at any given time, the long snapper position, which is going to Mr. Reed Hughes. So that is my projected starting lineup for the Auburn Tigers in 2024 and into the spring. Uh, definitely subject to change because uh, with spring coming up and we got a month, like two months or a month and a half uh, of spring workouts. So definitely going to pay attention to that. And believe me, we'll be the first to tell you whenever something happens or someone is way more impressive or someone is just flat out and just not playing well. Well, we'll be the first ones to tell you that and we will update. I'll probably be updating this as we go along. Uh, but before we get to Auburn basketball in there, after their relaxing bye week, I gotta go ahead and let y'all know that if you're listening, thank y'all 
so very dearly for listening. If you're watching, thank you for watching. Uh, and I do want to ask that if you are enjoying the show, I ask you to please like, comment, and subscribe. Leave your thoughts on who you think should start any position. You know, even if you want to go as crazy as me and do uh, do a starters and bench uh, for for each position. But uh, who are you most excited for uh, to watch in 2024 for Auburn football? And so on and so forth. Make sure you like, comment, five star us wherever you're on whatever platform that you are watching or listening on. And of course, if you want to support the show in other ways, we have merch. We have a t-shirt that is on the warport.com. And of course, there's also a link in the description for this as well. But if you want to type it in, no problem with me. Uh, go to the shop. It's on the first page of the shop. It's the Feeling Loopy College Loop Warport Podcast Network sponsored t-shirt that comes in five different colorways only 25 dollars most comfortable shirt you are ever going to wear in your entire life that is a hundred percent guarantee i wear this shirt a lot i is oh it is constantly constantly being washed whenever i throughout every single week i believe me and i i i'm not lying when i say that this shirt is always in the washer because uh, I just love it so much. I wear it around the house. I wear it out. I wear it all over the place. I tried to wear it to church. My girlfriend said no, uh, but I told her it's a very nice shirt. But, you know, I, I did not win that battle. But I I can't say it's a very, very nice shirt. Uh, but now to move on to Auburn basketball, they are taking on the Georgia Bulldogs on Saturday. And, of course, Auburn is coming off of a nice little bye week uh, where hopefully they got a little healthy. But, sadly, this game, no matter the fact that it's being played at 5 o'clock p.m., uh, gives Auburn a little bit more uh, time to time to rest up. Jalen Williams will potentially not be playing in this game, which is very, very harmful to the status of what this team is going to look like. Because we've not heard a single thing about the starting lineup uh, we don't know if Jalen Williams isn't playing. I don't think we've heard an actual word on that. But I, I feel like it's safe to believe that he'll be held out for an undisclosed amount of time. Uh, and, and, and of course, until we hear something else. But you're with that, you're losing your second leading scorer. I mean, after when Jalen Williams gone, there's only one player on the Sovereign team that has double-digit points per game. And, of course, Chad Baker-Mazzara is only .4 away from that. But you're going to be looking at Chad Baker-Mazzara. You're going to be looking at Chaney Johnson. They're going to have to step up. And more ways than one because you're missing out on a lot of production with Jalen Williams. I mean, his his ability to shoot from anywhere was just absolutely was lights out. And I do think that with CBM potentially starting, I think you're going to see that production maybe not dip off so much. But with guys like Chris Moore and Leor Berman coming in, probably having to play more minutes, and of course you might even have to go further than that to get the to get these minutes. I don't think Auburn loses this game. Uh, I because I do think Georgia. Isn't the best? They're not. Well, they're eleventh in the SEC. They're not the best. But uh, th- this is an environment that Auburn can struggle in, uh, and strictly just because it's not in Neville Arena, which is what we've seen thus far. But Auburn has had so many games in Athens where they have just struggled and struggled and struggled. No matter how much better the Auburn team was, they always seemed to either barely come out on top or lose in a heartbreaking fashion. Uh, Georgia's coming in with with three players. Averaging ten points or more, uh, and they really only have a rotation of six that are averaging twenty minutes or more, uh, and then they don't really have the kind of shooters that we that Auburn has been ha- has had to deal with over the past few games. Uh, the highest they have to deal with uh, for 
for Georgia is 37% from the three-point line, and that is from uh, Noah Thomason, Thomason and Jabri Abdur-Rahim. Uh, uh, both those guys averaging 12 a game. Uh, but other than that, nothing too special about, about Georgia basketball. It's just the environment that Auburn is going in without Jalen Williams. Can Chaney Johnson, can Chad Baker-Mazzara, can Lior Berman, can Chris Moore, can they all make up the ground? And I, I, I let me just rephrase that because the Chad Baker-Mazzara is an absolute dog. Can Chaney Johnson, can Lior Berman, can Chris Moore, can they fill up the box score in ways to where it doesn't look like Jalen Williams is gone? Uh, because again, that you're losing so much, and I keep. I mean, this is a broken record show. Uh, the amount of points that you're losing with Jalen Williams is tremendous. So the the uh, the ability to get the game back on your uh, in your favor is is lost without Jalen Williams because there has been so many games where you could see the turn uh, into Auburn's favor. You could see you could see the momentum shift with Jalen Williams, and without that you're going to be heavily relying on Janai Broom in the paint. You're going to be heavily relying on Chad Baker-Mazzara uh, putting up uh, more than he has in the previous games. He's going to have to put up uh, 12, 15-plus. Uh, just so Auburn doesn't feel like they're out there without another big man to go along in, to go in alongside Janai Broom. I think Auburn wins this game. I think Auburn wins probably closer than you would expect. I know Auburn is like uh, heavily favored in this uh, per ASP and FBI. But I think when you, whenever you look at this game, I think Auburn is going to win it by. I'm going to go six. I'm going to go six point deficit for Auburn. A six point lead for Auburn to win it. Uh, I would say Auburn. I'm going to say seventy five. Uh, Georgia sixty nine. Uh, I I think that fits in very well. First game without Jalen Williams. You had a bye week, so I guess that helps. Uh, but. It's all about not coming out flat. Uh, there have been so many games this year where Auburn's came out of the gun and just did not look good uh, for the first five to, to five minutes of the game, six minutes of the game. And they they some games it worked out for, for Auburn. They just out-talented the other team and got the momentum back. But whenever you played teams like Kentucky, uh, that it, it was it did not end well. Uh, it, and, of course, they're like games like uh, Florida and Mississippi State, those games also resulted in losses. And of course, after this game, you also can't get caught looking ahead because after this, you have four days to prepare for a top five team in Tennessee because you don't have to travel to Knoxville for that game. And hopefully, Jalen Williams is back for that, but the, there's no way of knowing quite yet. So yeah, I've already winning that game 75-69 in Athens on Saturday. And then today, as the show comes out, Auburn women's basketball is going to be getting a chance at a sweep as they take on the LSU Tigers who are, and let me just uh, get the number 13 in the country. Uh, Auburn coming off of a, I believe a, I'm just trying to remember everything off the top of my head. I've lost to Alabama where a game where they should have, they had it, but then the fourth quarter came around, only scored nine points, gave it 25 in the fourth, lost by six. And early on in the year, in, in, in like January 14th, Auburn came out in Neville Arena and shocked the world uh, and took down LSU. But now, tonight at 8, uh, you're going into Baton Rouge. Uh, you're going into the Tiger Den of the, of Death Valley. You're, you were dealing with An Angel Reese. You're dealing with Anissa Morrow, Michaela Williams, uh, Flauji. I'm going to 
I don't even know how to say her. I'm not going to try it. Johnson, uh, Samaya Smith, Haley Van Lith, who are all averaging double-digit figures. Uh, Auburn, on the other hand, you got on Scott Grayson averaging 17.8. You have Jemai Mingo Young averaging 9. Taylor Collins averaging 8. Uh, this, there's been a dichotomy going on between those two teams. LSU definitely has gotten better since that loss to Alabama to to Auburn, but Auburn's not gotten not gotten much better, uh, but hasn't gotten much worse. So it kind of just kind of stayed stagnant all the way through, and just they they peaked at LSU and just kind of came back and found a found a flat line. Uh, defense is going to be the key to this game. You're going to need Taylor Collins. You're going to need Savannah Scott. You're going to need. All of these, you're gonna need all of the forwards. You're gonna need Mio Young. You're gonna need this unit playing their best brand of defensive basketball, which they have been all season long. This is one of the best defensive teams in the SEC. But you're gonna to have to have games like you did against LSU early on in the year. You're going to need to have absolute lights out on the defensive end. You're gonna need Oscar Grayson to put up 20 plus points. You're gonna need the entire bench to to step up. You're gonna need those steals. You're gonna need the blocks. You're gonna need the forced turnovers. All of this is gonna be necessary for Auburn to win in Baton Rouge. But sadly, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's plausible. I think it could happen. I guess it's me kind of going against me saying it could be plausible. I don't think it can happen. I don't think it's gonna happen. I think Auburn's gonna lose this game. I, I think they have a chance to make it to where it looks a lot better. Than it is, I uh, like not like the, not to like the South Carolina lost by twenty, where it was like, oh, Auburn lost by twenty points. I think Auburn might lose this game by double digits, uh, maybe 10, 15 range. Uh, LSU probably going to try to get revenge uh, for Auburn beating them. But if if the confidence level is there, defenses the defense is, is there. I think Auburn could uh, make LSU very very annoyed. Uh, uh, and, and route to that game, but yeah, I have I have LSU winning that game, uh, which I don't believe is any shocker for anybody. It'd be uh, there's no telling what would happen if Auburn were to sweep LSU uh, in the same year, but in, in the in the year with Angel Reese and everything. Uh, but if Auburn wins that game, I, I think the NCAA tournament is is right there for the grab. So uh, a lot of fun. So that game is tonight at eight o'clock p.m. on the SEC Network. So make sure that you are tuning in for that to watch live and of course Auburn baseball is also going on on Friday uh they are going to Jacksonville Florida for the Jacks College Baseball Classic where they'll be taking on number 18 Iowa on Friday at 5 they'll be taking Wichita State at 11 a.m on Saturday and they'll be taking on number 10 Virginia on Sunday at 3 o'clock p.m and just look through some of those uh Iowa currently Three and one after some uh, after a lot of big big wins and a uh, kind of an embarrassing loss to to Lehigh, uh, but uh, took on Seton Hall, beat them five two in the Shipyard Tournament. Took on Ball State, beat them five zero. Lehigh lost eight to four, and then Tuesday in their midweek they played against the Loras, uh, Loras College Duhawks. I don't know who exactly that is, but they beat them by beat them by fourteen twenty to six. Uh, looking at the stats. There's a lot of solid hitters on this Iowa team. They have two batters averaging point or averaging 500 or more. They have a 556 and a 625, and they have just been lights out. Uh, so uh, that game is going to be very tough. And then going into Wichita State, not as good as the other two. Uh, they are they are also they're two and one after t- losing one to Little Rock 
in their opening weekend. And then not there's a couple batters there averaging 500. I think this is like the lesser team out of the out of the three Auburn's playing, which is kind of evident because the Auburn's not ranked. And of course, Virginia, uh, they they are just the top. They're they're top ten team for a reason. They are undefeated. They beat Hofster by scored ten runs against Hofster. Scored twenty one against Hofster again, uh, and scored eleven against them in the in the sweep. And of course, beat Old Dominion eight to zero. Uh, this is going to be a hard. This is going to be a hard fought game. Uh, all three of these are going to be uh, for Auburn, and it's going to be very. We don't know who's starting at the. Who's going to be starting pitchers yet? But I'm sure you can probably assume it's going to be Allsup, Gonzalez, and of course uh, Carson Myers, who had an absolutely awesome week and won co-SEC pitcher of the week. Uh, a lot of tough games. I don't know if Auburn comes out of this weekend unscathed. Uh, two and one is a win. Uh, it's a huge win. I, I and losing to Virginia, I would not be shocked. Uh, Virginia is a very is a very very good team, uh, and. It's going to be all up to Auburn's pitching rotation. Uh, those three guys are going to have to be on it. Uh, the hits will come for Auburn. Ike Irish is a dog. Chris Danfield is a dog. This entire team are dogs, uh, and they're very, very good. Uh, and this is going to be the first true test. Uh, of course, you have a couple of midweeks between now and and later on, but this is going to be a, the first true test for Auburn baseball. Uh, so, a lot of fun. I do think Auburn probably goes two one in this, but if they go three zero, I, I am confidence is 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 high uh and then of course softball they have their plainsman invite this weekend as well at jane b moore so if you're going to the softball make sure to bring an umbrella because there's not been a weekend yet for auburn softball where there has not been at least one game canceled due to weather so prepare yourself for that but on friday they'll take on longwood at one southeast missouri state at four longwood at one on sat one on saturday four o'clock on Saturday, Northern Iowa, then again, Northern Iowa on Sunday at one and then Southeast Missouri state at four o'clock PM as well. Uh, Auburn fresh off of, of a three Oh win three Oh and the Puerto Vallarta college challenge. Got two players who are on the tournament teams. Uh, didn't get a chance to play Clemson, which sucks, but you're playing some mid-major teams. So I think Auburn might sweep this weekend. Uh, and then get ready for their mid midweek against UAB. Of course, they have another invitational before they have to start getting ready for SC play as well. So I think Auburn sweeps this weekend. Definitely a more talented uh, team, uh, and this is going to be time for for Auburn softball to really step into the to what they're going to be. Uh, of course, you know you have Maddie Pinto, you have Shelby Lilla, you have Annabelle Weidra and Emma Rolf all tearing it up on the mound. But it's going to be time for someone else besides Amelia Leck and KK McCrary uh, hit, hitting. Uh, hitting the ball over over the fence. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying home, Auburn, uh, softball is a home run only sport, but the hits the hits need to come uh, for Auburn softball because uh, <laughs> there's a lot of good teams in the SEC, and uh, especially one being Tennessee. Uh, but you know, after at, when you go to SC play, you have one weekend with Missouri, and then you have to come right back to Jane B. Moore and play Arkansas, which that Arkansas team might be out for blood against Auburn uh, because of you know one Briella. So. Gonna have to find a rhythm and gonna have to find what you're gonna be as an offensive team as well. So I think Auburn sweeps that weekend in softball, but just find find your momentum, find what kind of team you are this weekend. Uh, and then lastly on the docket, I have Auburn gymnastics as they prepare to take on Missouri on Friday uh, after 
taking on two top 10 teams in a row, getting one win and losing to LSU last weekend. They are taking on Missouri for the Breast Cancer Awareness Meet. Make sure you wear pink if you're going to be there. It's also senior night, so going to shout out all the seniors. Uh, Auburn, this meet, just just find your rhythm. This is another thing we're talking about softball. Find your rhythm. Uh, it's going to be all the lights are on. It's going to be a packed arena. It's senior night, so you gotta you gotta liven up the place. Uh, and just do what you do best. Win, <laughs> you know. Uh, vault, beam, floor, and 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 bars. Uh, just gotta just gotta be one. This Auburn team could do some damage later on in, in the SEC tournament and and championships and everything. If they can just find a way to play their best at all four aspects of it, instead of kind of starting slow and, and kind of working your way back up into it. Uh, that's what you saw against LSU uh, uh, last week is Auburn just didn't start off right. And then it just kind of picked up a little bit, but overall just it, it ultimately cost Auburn the meet against LSU. I think Auburn won this meet. Uh, you're you're getting kind of a break. Uh, Missouri is still a good uh, gymnastics team because the entire SEC is very good at at gymnastics, uh, but just kind of stick to your brand, keep the momentum up, don't fall flat, don't start flat, and this will be a a fun win on senior night as well. But that's all I have for the college loop today. Of course, I am Dylan Lark at your boy Tank on Twitter, and of course at Dylan Lark on Instagram. It's at D Y L N L A R C K, and that's also just right there as well as well as the Twitter handle. And, of course, if you're looking for me anywhere else, I'm on the College Loop, which is right here on the YouTube. It's like, comment, and subscribe. Again, leave your predictions for Auburn Athletics this weekend. And, of course, if you're looking for other things to follow us on, we have us on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, The Works, all of those at The College Loop. And, of course, if you're tired of seeing our faces, completely understand. Uh, I get tired of my face sometimes, too. Uh, You got us on Spotify for podcasts, Google Podcasts, and, of course, Amazon Music. And, of course, all of that being said, this has been the College Loop Podcast for Eagle.